Welcome to the first episode of Red, White, and You. I'm your host, I'm KC. I could think of a better day to launch this podcast than Juneteenth. So happy Juneteenth to everybody. I'm here with some of my closest friends and we're just gonna be having some organic conversation about how you relate to the United States of America. So I wanna introduce you to some of my friends that I have here with me today. I've got Brian. Brian, if you'll take a few minutes and introduce yourself. Hey, how's it going? My name's Brian. I would say I am a white immigrant here in the United States. I was born in Germany. Kind of went back and forth between here and, and Germany for the first like 13 years of my life or so. Uh, been here predominantly for the most part of my life at this point. And I'm just excited to get this started. Thank you. Thank you for being on. And. To my back left, I got my boy, Manrique. You'll introduce yourself. My pleasure. Hola a todos. I am Mexican, born and raised in Mexico. I immigrated to the United States. And we were talking about that, what's the race thing. And I can identify myself as Mexican. I'm a U.S. citizen now. But on the race chapter, I am part African, part native Mexican, part Native American and part Spaniard. So to find a box for me and <laughs> send me somewhere. Just check, all, all, just check it all. Just check them all. <laughs> but right. thank it, you. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. And I, and I, and I want to jump in right away, but I, I've got to introduce you to everybody else. But yesterday we were just chopping it up and, and some really organic conversation came out of us just being friends. And so I was like, you know what? Let's just do that for our first podcast. Um, to my right here, I've got Garen, who's also the producer of the show. Yes, so uh, my name is Garen Sean, born and raised in Texas, but I'm about as far left-leaning as possible. Very liberal, very uh, democratic-minded, but that's a little bit about me and my views that you'll probably be hearing in the show, but mm-hmm. to my liberal folks, you're gonna love me. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Facts. And then right behind me over here somewhere, I've got Manny B. Yep. Best for last, right? Uh, Manny B, born in Chi-Town, Chicago, Southside, and uh, raised in South Texas, border town. So just let me rig in here. We're from a border town where, you know, the Hispanic and Mexican community was highly influenced. And I've uh, been in DFW for since junior high. Awesome. Awesome. So... That's my lovely, lovely, lovely guest of a panel, a panel guest today. Um, so with this podcast, when I came up with the idea for Garen and I, I wanted to talk about being a double minority in America. Um, I've been in corporate America for, you know, over two decades, um, spent some time in the military, so I have some experience there. And that's a, a you know, a conversation all in itself. But I wanted to create something that would speak very openly about navigating uh, the United States of America as a Black woman, a double minority. And during my time at Harvard, uh, one of my papers was written on that, and my professor had never heard that term before, double minority. So as I just began to uh, experience more throughout life through all of these entities that I just mentioned, I'm like, wow, it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. It's a lot to process. A lot of of experiences that 
the majority of people that aren't like me, meaning black woman, may not be able to relate to. So I wanted to bring um, some education to the forefront of what that's like and talk about how to approach different obstacles. And speaking of obstacles, these last 20 something odd days have been crazy since the murder of George Floyd. They've been insane. Right? I I never thought that I would see anything like this in my lifetime. We are literally um, engulfed in a civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. Right? It's it's like the 19, it it feels like it's 1960s and it's never ended. It's, it feels like this civil rights movement, just even in the 60s, it wasn't long enough to make a change in America. And now that's what's happening. And Mm -hmm. it's been needing to happen for forever right and it's 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 crazy to me that it's just now it the george it was something with the george floyd death and you know you're good friends with uh tatiana jefferson's sisters and both of john's sisters or sister excuse me but i i i'm curious as to what made the george floyd the tipping point and you that's what? what I kind of wanted to do. That's also that's a question I, I would like to yeah. know. Really? Like, okay, let's talk about it. Let's unpack that for a minute. Let's let's talk about that and unpack that because um, I was actually talking to, to my good friend Marcos um, about this when it first happened. And I'm like, what about, we've seen this before. We've seen it for like the better part of this past decade right. when it's become yeah. far more prominent on social media mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm confused. I, I don't, I don't really want to use the word confused, but I, I would say I'm confused. How was George Floyd like the final tipping point? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How was it the catalyst to finally get this movement going? Right. To where the everyone. movement is coming across as an uprising, it a revolt is. of sorts, right? Yes. Right. Now we've we've Black Lives Matter has been in motion for a while, right? So, but it wasn't as it's like everybody's. We've got Fortune 500 companies now talking about it. Ancient Mama is coming off of the 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 product the the brand placement, yep. and uh, you know just so many others that even came out today. I asked a couple of friends this, and a lot of people said they thought it was that eight minutes and 46 seconds that did it. Yeah. The, 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 it. It was the casualness the of the officer. Yeah. I almost wonder if it was the I can't breathe, the fact that they're once again hearing this. Was it? It was Eric Garner. Eric Garner. Yeah. That yeah. We, yeah. In, in Staten Island. I don't know if it was, was it those words that did it? And you see, I, I mean, a lot of the movement, I. I mean, you and I both have shirts I can't breathe. So I'm just curious. Maybe that's that's one of the reasons that it was the tipping point because it was another innocent black man being suffocated to death by a police officer. And as we saw in Atlanta, which was where our big conversation was uh, yesterday or the day before of just a guy sleeping in a Wendy's parking lot and right. then he gets shot twice in the back for for running with a with an empty taser because he was scared for his life right well that I, and i want to i want to actually ask pose this question to enrique because uh we were chatting and we were talking about just the longevity of the pain of of blacks of african americans in this country over 400 years of some sort of oppression um just 
called a different name. And we walked through that. We sat together as a group and we unpacked that conversation. Um, and then Mandy posed another question. Why do you think it is that we don't see a lot of this from the Hispanic community? You know, when, when something like this happens, why is there not such an uprising of sorts? So those were very good questions, but I want to round back before I toss it to Manrique and ask him what he thinks about Floyd and, and what about that pivotal moment that shifted this country. Um, you said that he referred to George Floyd as a, another innocent black man. There's some out there that will say that he wasn't innocent. What do you say? But you heard that, right? Yeah. So we got it. Yeah. Is, this is what confuses me. Like, especially with Sandra Bland, she was pulled over because her taillight was out. Right. Sure. Get a taillight ticket and go on about your day. Correct. But what justifies? Why are we pulling her out of the vehicle? Why? Right. Exactly. Yeah. It makes no sense. I don't think it matters what your passive done, whether, you know, Floyd committed errors in his life a month or a year or two or three before that. The fact on the way he, he died by police brutality is, is just something that our society shouldn't be seeing at this point. You know, it goes back to the Rodney King days, you know? What has changed from them to now? Has anything changed? Yeah, social you know, media. Other than social media, that That's it's it. out now, which really is making the U.S. government see that yeah, we're a little too late. We should have made these changes a long time ago. Yeah, right. a little bit too late. Now we have a bunch of eyes on them. Right. Yeah. right. With all the access to people having cameras and yeah. be able to go live right away on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. You have more eyes watching. But it probably is being going on. But yeah. right. without, without oh, being yeah. right. witnessed. Right. Yeah. You know, and you had mentioned something. Was it on your Facebook or Twitter? Instagram, I don't know, I can't remember. But but you had said, what if the video didn't exist of right. George Floyd? Right. What was going to be the next tipping point? What it more than likely it would have been what happened in Atlanta, or was it Breonna Taylor, who has been who got kind of overshadowed by the death of George Floyd? Right, right. Which, I mean, not many people are really talking about Breonna Taylor. Well, it's starting to ramp up, but you know. Uh, people had to raise hell in order to get her name rotating like that. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things that really pisses me off because even amongst the the uphill battle, even within that uphill battle, black women are still often forgotten about um, in these matters. And it is a constant uh, struggle. And we can talk about that. Let's make sure we talk about that next week um, and unpack that a little bit. But I think that... We all were just, it was something about the casualness of that officer with his knee on George's neck for that extended amount of time that I think was just the tipping point. And we've seen some pretty egregious stuff before. So much. And then it was also just the, the, the onlookers begging <laughs> for him to remove his knee, who recognized that this man doesn't have a, they were able to see that something was completely out of bounds without even being that close, you know, without being the one directly engaged in the activity, the murder. Mm -hmm. They were able to see that he wasn't breathing and begging the officer to take the knee off the neck, right. of which he didn't. 
Um, it was pretty sickening. I'll be honest with you. I just recently watched the entire video about two days ago. It's hard. It's very difficult. I've only seen clips and I can barely get through it. Mm -hmm. It's it's difficult. I've seen him crying out for his mom and that made me cry. His mom who has passed on. Exactly. So what? So that tells me I'm getting chills just about to say what I'm about to say. That means that you see your death coming, right? Is that what you took from that? Yeah. I mean, once you get to such a primal level that you're calling out for your mom, I I would feel that's you're at your most scared then when you're calling out for mama. Mm-hmm. You're you're terrified for your life. Right. And you there's nothing you can do about that at that point. You're like you're no threat anymore. Even if that police officer was like, this black man is a threat to my life, which he clearly wasn't. Right. As soon as you call out for your mom in that kind of a tone, mm-hmm. it it makes me a little it teary-eyed. Changes a person, it, yeah. it really does. It, changed, it I think it changed all of us. Yeah, him knowing that that pressure on his neck was never going to go away. Wow. That suffocation was just going to be behind his neck where he's saying, I can't breathe. And it wasn't gonna let up. Nope. Right. It's just like nine, nine minutes. Yeah. I mean, the whole video is on there, from beginning to end. Just nine minutes. I mean, just uh, just like Ahmad Arbery. You know. I mean, who would think? And Brian and I were talking about this a few days ago, but we worked together. For those who don't know, but uh, Brian and I were talking just a couple days ago about if we were jogging in the neighborhood or if we went and got pulled over by a cop, we're not gonna get yanked out of the car and have to, I mean, we're not gonna fear for our lives, no. in other words. But that's part of what I enjoy getting to be a part of this group of friends here is because we're such a diverse and unique type of group who all has open minds. And I think there's so many people that have these closed minds that they can't even put themselves in that situation. Yeah, it, it drives me nuts when they say, oh, when they look at his past, oh, he did this yeah. in the past, he's held a gun to this person, or, you know, uh, Ahmaud Taylor, you just said, he was looking in a, in a, a house that was being made, and he was, you know, trying to, you know, looking at things in a pre-built house, and, like, they're looking for something to justify why he should have been right. murdered. You know, why does media even look at that point instead of... See, growing up, I would live in developing communities where they would build houses, and I would be a little boy, and like my f- group of friends and I would go into those houses curious. You wouldn't have to fear that yeah. at all. So why is a man who was living in this neighborhood, who people have seen before, so why was um, he hunted? Why was he being hunted? Is the huge question. It, it's like it's Emmett Till all over again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like Emmett Till. You, you, do a wolf whistle and they think it's directed at at some other person. I can't remember. It was a wife or something. I yeah. can't remember, but nothing's changed. And that's what's that's what's crazy to me. I'd like to ask if you guys think that this movement would be catered to everybody now, every race. You know, there was a there was a Hispanic male that got killed by the police in Carrollton last year, I don't know if you remember. He decided to take off in his vehicle and the cop shot him while he was in the vehicle. You know, is today's, what's going on now, would that uh, help 
or was yes. this movement help yes. the Hispanic person and Asian, whoever's going yes, through this? Mindy. And the reason why I say yes yeah. is because these protests, and I know you attended, was it Denton? Uh, I yeah. went to I the Carrollton protests. Uh-huh. You did Denton. I did Denton, yeah. I did Dallas. And, and there were people of all religions, yeah. all races. I've never seen such a thing before. All right. colors. I honestly, it's an, another group that has really been discriminated against as well as the LGBTQ community. And they have really bonded with the black community during this movement. Oh, right. I mean, yeah. yeah. I go to I go to Denton, which, you know, is very around campus. It's very open. Mm-hmm. But when he gets outskirts of Denton, very conservative and against all of that. So just to kind of see the whole community and LGBTQ community like they just come together and unite, like it shows that change can happen. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing I'm scared of is there has been changes that have been happening due to the protests. What happens when these protests end? Right. That's what terrifies me. It's going to well, be a can't, huge they can't paradigm shift. Well, and, and here's the thing, and this is something that I want to hold a, a town hall meeting on. Um, I am of the XY generation. And a lot of the individuals that I saw on the front lines in the physical protests were millennials. And uh, lots of energy, but some of it was misdirected. And so that tells me that folks like us who've been around for a while have a responsibility to educate them on the appropriate ways to protest. And one of the things I want to bring to the forefront with you guys' help is to teach them how to mentally protest. There are ways to petition intellectually, push for legislation, attend city hall meetings, um, so the protests can't stop. And right. I think that needs to be the the uh, unified message that we continue to push through forums like this podcast and others. Mm-hmm. But I think we need to really drive home that we can't let up. Because guess what? We've never seen this much change before. Yeah. There have been protests worldwide. Right because of George Floyd. It's the right, just completely worldwide. And mind shifts. Yeah. Like I said, you've got all these companies. How are how authentic are they? We don't know, but we yeah. do see movement. Wouldn't you agree, Marika? Yes. I think one of the most important things, I mean, we can do process and we can be walking and we can raise our hand and scream, but if we don't vote, yeah. if we don't make the right decision, we choose the right person, we're not going to see any changes. Right. That's one of the things that, that we need to encourage our people also to. Voting. To vote. The importance of voting. Go out and vote. And not just not just presidential elections. Local. It's no, the local, local elections that yeah. almost that city, impact you the most. Your city and county. I mean, yeah. yes, the president has a ton of power <laughs> in our, I don't know if I can trust, but our shit president that we have now sure. can go. You I can mean, say that. I mean, yeah. yeah I'm, I think everybody knows that. <laughs> and but. I think that has to do also, I think personally, in Speaking a little bit on my community side, my Mexican, Mexican-American, Chicano, Latino side, we've noticed that the actual administration has been the reason of motive of like the awakening or reawakening of the racism. Because uh-huh. we didn't have that right. in three, four, five previous administrations. It all started with this administration. So you think that this administration was fueling that of racism. Yes, but it also, like, 
light it up again. It, 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 right. it, 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 it looks right. like it was just covert. Covert, yeah. yeah. Now they're outright with it. Yeah, yes. because we yeah. have because they have that support from right. all the way They're bold there. with it now. Yes. Yeah. No, we I have agree. a racist pe- president, so the closet racists are like, oh, well, he's racist? They're out. Psh, let's do this. And What's wanna, up? You and that tell, you, that tell you that that thing never ends. It never went away. It's been there settled, dormed, you know, a little bit, waiting to, to come up. Well, let me ask you this, because I, I, I see um, our director and uh, uh, a floor person there wrapping us up. There's so I can't believe that we're by that fast. Like, so much, so much to But cover. there's something, there's something that B said to me yesterday that stuck with me, and I'm going to tweet it later on tonight. Oh, please do. I don't even remember what I said. Oh, we <laughs> got to shout out, we got to <laughs> shout out our, our socials at the end of this. Oh, snap. Um, you said we were talking about these monuments. Ah, yes. Oh, yes. We were talking about these monuments and them coming down and pretty Manny, divided conversation yeah yeah because manny actually has a rebuttal again because manny and i were talking about it too also and we were having lunch one day yeah and, manny and we got said, into do, do you think that they should come down and i said i think they belong in a museum and then b said no they belong in the fucking river they do. all that they, when we come back so don't go anywhere because <laughs> <laughs> we ain't gonna stop <laughs> which is true that that's time i mean that's a whole nother episode but to wrap it up uh, the All Lives Matter folks who oh, have come cool. out as basically they're closet racist. I think Pretty we much. can all agree it's closet racist. Yeah. If you don't understand what this movement is about, then because at this point, yes, we know all lives matter, but think about the black I, ones are in danger. Yes, yeah. I believe. I mean, my, my white lives aren't in danger. My favorite metaphor uh, when I was teaching my kids about this. Because uh, they asked me what Black Lives Matter means, and because they didn't really understand systemic racism, they're still under 10 years old each. So I, I told them, I gave it to them like this If we're having dinner, but one of us doesn't have a plate, and you shout out, You're hungry, and I respond with, We're all hungry, you still don't have a plate. That's a good one. See how ridiculous that sounds? Yep. But I want to, I, listen, I want to really get to this point because I was trying to make a point and then we all got all excited about um, All Lives Matter equating to closet racist. But you said something about the monuments and the Nazis. And yes. can you explain that the way you explain so it? So growing up in Germany, um, Nazism is outlawed. Like it is a crime. You own any memorabilia, you are fined and sent to jail. Now, mind you, jails in other countries are about reform and not, you know, mm-hmm. imprisonment mm-hmm. and basically making you a slave to the economy. Right. So with Manny's rebuttal, in, in your opinion, of saying that, it, that these monuments should be in museums, no, they should definitely be destroyed. We remember them by reading books. Exactly. That's where history belongs is in books. So, and what that says to us, uh, or a message that that relates to us is that maybe we're not as ashamed about our history as per se Germany. Correct. Very correct. Um, Cause there's people, there was this one clown ass dude um, coming after me on Facebook. That's what about all these, the racists are. Oh, right, Facebook, yeah. Uh, about these monuments. And, uh, you know, of course I ate him alive, but 
I got to go find that bus now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, I had a blast with him. But um, when you put it to me like that, it, it was he was like defending these things that were directly tied to a period of time where my ancestors were not considered to be human beings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of these statues went up right around the time of any civil movement. And yeah. it was put there as a status of, listen, this is what we were. We can go right back to it if this it's is what you want to do. It's it a is threat. a threat. But, They're I mean, wrapping us up. They're wrapping us up. We gotta wrap up. We gotta wrap up here. But when are we coming back, Gary? We'll be coming back next Wednesday, actually. Whoa. So you don't have to wait here as long this time around. Wednesday, popular day for podcast release. Red, White, and You is going to be releasing next Wednesday. We'll continue our conversation about statues. But about race, about race. That was very interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we, we got into that. Like, I, we got I, into a I deep conversation yesterday. I will definitely say that the history books for uh, pre-K up to high school need to be rewritten because up until you get into college, you really don't get the education about slavery and about the absolute torture of minorities in America and the fact that America is built on the backs of every single minority. Torture of minorities in America. That's a key point. And I think and that's where Mary Kay was going. We all are immigrants. Correct. Exactly. We Correct. All I think that's where Mary Kay wanted to go with that conversation. So we'll pick it up next there week. next week. But we really want to dive into the conversation about the historical context of race and what it truly means to be a minority in America. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.